The Forum at 8 on SAFM. An estimated 200,000 high school learners have dropped out of school in Gauteng alone over the last three years. But Gauteng is not the only province with a high dropout rate. In less than two weeks, over half a million grade 12 pupils will be writing their final matric examinations. This is only about half of the 1.1 million that started grade one in 2002. But what happened to the other half million learners? Where did they go? What are we seeing currently right now and why are we seeing such a high dropout rate in our schools that's our discussion on the forum at eight this morning and we're asking you how do we keep our learners in school what should we be doing and uh, we have uh, for this discussion with us in studio this morning professor mary metcalf uh, who is um, with uh, the vid school of governance thanks so much for making the time to come through this morning thank you Sakina. And uh, we also have joining us on the line uh, Elijah Mklanga from the Department of Basic Education. Elijah, thanks for your time as well. Good morning, Fatina. Thanks very much. And uh, just before we get into the discussion, a reminder to our listeners, the lines are open. You can call us at any time throughout this discussion on 0891-104-208. You can also tweet or Facebook AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. Alternatively, send us an SMS to 34701. Now, um, Elijah, let me just start with you. Very often when we are looking at matric results, our focus is merely on the outcome of those learners who have actually sat down to take the test but we forget about the learners it would seem who have dropped out and it would seem that that number is hugely hugely significant because it speaks to almost half of the children who should have been writing yeah that's true um we are also worried as a department that the learners that uh, enter the system are not the same number that finally sit for the final examination. So we we are doing something about it, but uh, there are various reasons for that. I mean, some of them, they have to do with what happened in school, and some of them happen uh, to, 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 to be related to what is taking place in, in, in the society. Now, uh, just before we look into, you know, possible reasons for the high dropout rate, what is the current dropout rate as we speak? Well, there, there are huge numbers. Uh, you know, even if we do one now who drops out, that would uh, uh, concern us, you know, because we want to to keep as many learners in the school as possible. Um, we... As government has, has, has in the past years been focusing on on access to education. So while we focus on access, we also need to focus on retention. We need to make sure that every learner that comes to school, even outside the legally binding age, they need to be in school. That's why there are various measures that we put in place to ensure that all the learners uh, come into place. But you know, even if you look at the other countries, the Dropout is a, is a huge challenge there as well, but, you know, we, we need to look at ourselves as a country and say, what is the problem and how can we deal with it? And have you been able to get to the bottom of that? Have you been able to identify the most critical factors uh, that are uh, attributing to this dropout rate? Yes, we have. Um, it, it's, a combination of, it's a combination of factors. I mean, uh, some learners uh, get arrested, they go to jail, others 
um, have to go find employment due to poverty, and uh, some of them they lead uh, families. Uh, talking about childhood families, where they find themselves in a situation where they have to take care of of their siblings. But uh, others, it is just the cognitive demand of the of of the schoolwork in the in the classroom, and some of them feel that they do not stand a chance to succeed and progress and go forward. So they they feel that uh, it's better to to just stay at home. So it's a combination of reasons uh, that uh, amount to that uh, type of number that uh, finally disappears from the system. Uh, Professor Metcalf, um, you know, uh, just listening to the explanations that are given, uh, but even before we get to that, I mean, surely we ought to be concerned as a nation if we look at the numbers that we are seeing, the statistics before us. uh, 47% uh, rather uh, of learners, of uh, the ones who quit, quit between grade 10 and 12. Now, why is that? Is there anything significant about the timing? I was very interested in the reasons that um, Elijah um, indicated accounted for for the dropout rate. And of the four that he gave, I would argue that it's the last one that's the most significant. Um, The last reason he gave is that many learners at grade 10 are beginning to realize that they don't stand a chance of succeeding. And in fact, I think Elijah is correct. Um, if you look at our participation rates all the way through primary school and in the first years of high school, we do have um, very good participation rates. Um, but from grade 10, 11, and 12, the levels of repetition and failure increase hugely. Grade 10 is the class across the country which has the highest number of learners because learners start repeating um, in, in high numbers at grade 10, 11, and 12. Failure is a problem all the way from the early years. So in South Africa, in foundation phase, about 20% of children fail or repeat at least once in foundation phase. And you can only repeat once mm, in a phase. In a phase. Intermediate phase, as many as 30% of children have repeated. By the time you get to grade 7, 8, and 9, it's 40%. By the time you get to grade 10, 11, and 12, half of the children have repeated one time or more. And of the children who are in those last three years, 10% have repeated as many as three times. So what we see is a cumulative deficit in success in learning growing from foundation phase through the primary school until when you reach grade 10, you, as Elijah says, begin to understand that you don't have a chance. You are two or three years older than the rest of your your the people in your class, which for an adolescent is um, a very it's unpleasant. It's a big deal. It's a mm. very big deal. And what I think is also significant is that in the education system, we have the single goal of matric. There is no other credential. Now, that means that these young people who leave, and it's um, more than 50% of our children who leave before even writing matric, they are completely uncredentialed. They don't have a piece of paper to hold next to their heart to boost their self-esteem or to take into the workplace. And if you look at young people who are between the ages of 18 and 24 who are unemployed, not in education and not in training, 72% of them have no credentials whatsoever.
Now, you know, again, just listening to some of the other reasons that Elijah has also uh, put forward. Uh, yes, one can look at the socioeconomic <laughs> conditions and the impact that that has on these learners. But how do we hold, uh, you know, schools and the department accountable for this high dropout rate, uh, Professor? I feel very strongly that um, as we head into this uh, fifth term of government and as the um, president takes forward his performance contracting with his ministers, he's correct to say that part of the performance agreement must look at matric pass rate, it must look at the maths performance, but I think we should be reporting retention rate with the same level of energy and commitment as we report on the matric rate. Let me be controversial. If we're getting an 80% pass rate with a 50% dropout rate, I would rather say let's have an 80% pass rate, but let's push the retention rate up to 60%, 70%, 80%, because there's a real risk that what we're doing is increasing the matric pass rate to the cost of retention. Mm. And children are leaving because they know that they're not going to succeed. And at worst, schools are saying, you are not going to succeed. And in subtext, you're going to damage our pass rate. I I want Elijah's response to this. As the Department of Education, uh, your response to what Professor Metcalf has just said, the disappearance, uh, these learners who drop out, is probably uh, then part, and I've heard other people say this as well, part of the explanation for the increased pass rate. Well, um, it could be true, but, you know, the minister in her budget board speech, when she outlined her plans for this term, she did indicate that she wanted quality and efficiency in the system. She wanted those areas that are problematic, including the drop rate, to be dealt with, because now the numbers are there, the pass rate is going up, but now we need quality. And how do you get quality? It's, it's to do exactly what Professor Metcalf is talking about ensuring that we report retention rates and therefore bring uh, credibility uh, at a higher level of the pathway that you're having. And also start zooming into the numbers and say how many bachelors are there and how how, how many learners are passing mathematics, how many learners are passing physical science and technology. And so it goes. And look at the actual quality. And that's what all of us must do uh, because we as a department, account for the learners that are in school. And it's important that we get the support from the community. So it means that everyone must play their role to ensure that um, uh, these learners remain in school. Remember that uh, education, I mean, the life of a learner depends on what happens at home and also what happens in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So by, by, by holding the department accountable, you need to ask yourself, what contribution did you make to ensure that the learner is in school. When they don't, they don't come to school and they miss class uh, time, what do you do as a parent to ensure that they come to school so that they can be part of the curriculum developments that are taking place inside the classroom on a daily basis? But what strategies has the Department of Education put into place in order to address the problem? No, we do. I mean, we have, we have put in place um, uh, various uh, uh, plans to ensure that uh, we support teaching and learning in the classroom because we feel that we need to ensure that uh, there's full curriculum coverage in, in all the grades. But we also want to improve the quantity of the assessment tasks 
uh, that takes place uh, across all the grades and also to give learners uh, more return work and, uh, and support the teachers to make what takes place inside the classroom exciting. Uh, the learners must enjoy going to school and they must be able to interact with their, with their teachers and make sure that uh, the classroom is a center of excellence, the center of engagement and interaction, mm. of, of exchange of knowledge. It's all of that. It must not be a depressing environment. It must be an exciting environment that a learner must look forward to going, even if they feel things are not going well, but they must look forward to going there to get assistance so that they can progress through uh, the, the, the grades. Elijah Matlanga, one could argue that, of course, uh, that is expected. It's to be expected anyway when children go to school. But it still doesn't answer my question as to clear strategies that the department has in place. But we have to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue this discussion. On the Forum at 8 this morning, uh, our question is, how do we keep our learners in schools given the high dropout rates? We're speaking to uh, Professor Mary Metcalf as well as Elijah Matlanga. And we'll take your call as well as soon as we return. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Forum at 8 this morning. Our question is... How do we keep our learners in school, uh, given that uh, we are sitting with a situation where about half of the 1.1 million learners that started uh, grade one in 2002 will be sitting for the current matric examination? Where are they going? Where are they getting lost? Why are they getting lost? And how do we keep them in school? And uh, the lines are open, 0891-104-208. And uh, I'm going to take some questions and then we'll get the panel to respond. Let's go to Tabiso in Pulukwane. Tabiso, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Fatima? Well, thanks. And you? I'm, I'm fine, man. Fatima, two things. One is that uh, I'm actually even tempted to agree with Prof. Uh, he raised a very profound point, and I would like the department to actually deal with it. Because if you check you, uh, if you check our education system in the country, it's one size fits all. Everyone should be, uh, uh, everywhere you say a person had performed in matric, it's only when the time that he has been able to sit on a three-hour paper and so on and so forth. What about those who can be able to excel on vocational training and many other fields? And I mean... Uh, learners end up giving up as early as uh, uh, you as early as your grade ten to say no 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 yeah things I'm a slow learn I'm I'm this and that and that I'm not going to be able to make up or make it when I'm I'm in a tree and I think we need to be able to know from that side to say what are you doing with mm. ones that could excel on other field rather than writing your treatment. But then secondly, there's been there's been a lack I'm saying of of communities and, and parents, insofar as the education of their children is concerned. I mean, many parents have actually relegated the responsibility of, of relegated the responsibility of taking off their children and taking their schoolwork and all of that to the schools. And even if you check, you would actually even be amazed that uh, during this time, this time when we're about to go to exams, it's when, it's when uh, parents just to start to wake up and say, no, no, how this child is not going to pass. Whilst all along throughout the year, he has not been able to, uh, you know, check the progress, and also people ask the teachers, "What is it that is happening in class?" Okay. Some of these learners, we see them; they don't even go to school. They just sit back and put uniform, and and just uh, uh, and just roam around towns and all of that. And these are some of the things that we ought to be able to get quite deep. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Tabiso. Siabulela uh, in Eastern Cape. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, man. Um, 
basically, ma'am, you see, just to put into context, um, I'm, a, <clears throat> I'm a very very impaired guy, ne? I work at a banking city, but I'm part of a disabled youth uh, in the Eastern Cape province. Now, what happens at interlinking in terms of mainstreaming, the problem is the passion that we lack in our guys. Because they need to understand what contribution they are making to the country in terms of sustaining the current, how can I put it, skills of people or morale that would grooming into our children who are going to carry this country forward. Now, if that is drummed into them by our present government <clears throat> and our ruling party and other parties, too, that will interlink with re-actually aligning from the bottom phase of education into mainstreaming, allowing others who have similar remedial pro- problems like intellectual impairment and those things to see that this is their clear path in life. They understand it full on. They don't go into an identity crisis when they reach that age of puberty, growing up, <coughs> girlfriends, boyfriends, social stigma, and those kind of things. That will actually, actually assist in actually getting rid of this problem because you might look at the cause of the problem, but you must, must say to the root cause, what actually informed that side of things to actually have this problem in our, in our education system. Okay, thank you uh, so much, uh, Siabulela. Let's uh, just take a quick one from Neil in Port Elizabeth. Neil, good morning. Thanks, Sakina, for taking my call. Uh, Sakina, um, since 2008, um, uh, my, uh, let's call it, organization has visited six in the country. And the scary part is, uh, if the department says they are serious about sorting the problem out, is not a single teacher on the ground, not a single principal, not a single trade unionist knows the true figures of what we are just talking about. Like, uh, uh, let's say, a million people go to school, 12 years later, it's less than half, actually, in most instances, mm-hmm. instances that arrive to sit down to write the grade 12, and thereafter, after the pass rate, it, it, it gives you a dropout rate somewhere in the region of 66%. And not a single official on the ground knows these figures when we go to the school. Now, how is it you're supposed to be serious about tackling the problem if the people themselves on the ground don't know what the serious problem is? And lastly, the, uh, the phenomena that causes, obviously there are many reasons, but the main phenomena is what is called an accumulation of a learning deficit. Meaning if a learner is in grade R and is only understanding 50% of the content in grade R, obviously he's going to have an accumulation of 50% going into grade 1. And because it's a 12-year journey, that accumulation becomes so intense by the time he's finishing primary school, the, the weight on the shoulders is so heavy. So if he's in a rural area, he's going to be more inclined to become a herdsman and go and do what other uh, youngsters are doing, crime, because it's too much to handle. So I just want to put that on the table. Thanks. Thank you so much, Neil. And of course, we'll continue taking your calls uh, right after this break. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. 23 minutes before 9, uh, you're listening to the Forum at 8. And this morning, we are talking about the high dropout rate in our schools. Now, if you consider that less than half of the children who enrolled in grade 1 in 2002 will be sitting for matric exams uh, this year in 2014, then surely we have to be concerned as a nation as to what happens to these learners. Why do we have such a high dropout rate? And how do we keep our learners in school? And this morning... uh, 
uh, we have in studio with us Professor Mary Metcalf, who is from uh, the Witt School of Governance. And we also have Elijah Mslanga, who's with the Department of Basic Education. Now, I just want to go to uh, some of those uh, comments that were put forward by our callers before the break. Um, Tabisa was talking about this one-size-fits-all um, you know, issue. And it's something that Professor Metcalf also alluded to, uh, Elijah, is the department actually considering alternatives in this regard? Yes, we, we are considering alternatives. I mean, there's a curriculum for technical high schools that has been developed. We are looking at uh, vocational uh, routes as well for those learners that want to follow uh, certain careers and they need uh, specialized schools. But we are also working on something called focus schools where learners that are interested in pursuing certain careers will be able to enroll in the schools uh, and, and do what they want to do. Uh, we're talking about maritime, we're talking about science, we're talking about technology, we're talking about aviation, all those type of, of, of careers. Learners will have options to go to those particular schools so that um, you know they're able to pursue that dreams at the right time rather than stay in the system and eventually dropping out when that could be easily avoided. So we're definitely doing something about that. But how's the department going to pay for it, given that we are talking about, you know, not having money to deal with most of, you know, the basic necessities at this point in time? We're not creating anything new. All that we are doing is to make use of the resources that we have now. Remember, the math and science task team that the minister established also proposed that we needed to establish a math and science office. That has been done, and that uh, math and science office in the department is coming up with strategies to ensure that we 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 become wiser uh, in addressing all issues of learner retention and ensuring that we improve the, the quality as well. So we are, we want to maximize on the resources that we have, and uh, we believe that it is doable. Uh, Professor Metcalf, uh, I'm going to give you a bite at that as well, but I also want to throw in uh, this whilst we're talking maths and science. Superbeans on Twitter says, uh, sometimes I find that we give too much attention to maths and science and no uh, attention to other subjects, and this could also be contributing to the problem. Mm. Thank you. Uh, there's so much to say, Sakina, but let me just start with saying that I really do agree with Tabiso that we can't have an education system that one size fits all. We focus too narrowly at um, the the top end. And whilst Elijah is uh, to be, well, the department is to be applauded for committing itself to widening and differentiating the curriculum in terms of maritime studies and aviation studies, I'm not sure how many students in our lifetime, in the next 10 or 20 years, are going to have meaningful opportunities at school level to pursue a differentiated curriculum, but it is to be encouraged and um, and supported. What I think Elijah hasn't responded to yet is the question of differentiated exit points. Um, I think that we have to be able to say that there's differentiated opportunities to write an exit exam that you can have a piece of paper to take with you into life at, for example, the end of grade 10, which is not to say that we don't encourage students to keep on learning and to proceed to grade 12 and to proceed after grade 12. But let's 
start valuing learners for the different skills that they have, make sure that they leave school with a sense of self-esteem, a sense of inclusion, a sense of belonging to society. The greatest tragedy of this great of this huge dropout is the number of young people who leave with a sense of failure, a sense of not belonging, and a low self-esteem. And I think that that um, is 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 the huge challenge. I also want to just quickly comment on what the th- the third caller said because there were two things there that I thought were very important. Number one, he spoke about the cumulative deficit. Now, mm-hmm. there's a set of figures that I like to use because they show it so profoundly. If you use the annual national assessments that the DBE runs um, every year at the moment, and you look at the number of children in grade three who got less than forty percent in maths, it's twenty six percent. That's grade three, 26. For grade six, it's 55% who got less than 40%. And the astounding figure for grade nine, 94% got less than 40% in maths. Mathematically, it actually makes sense, Exactly that number. But, um, you know, and and, and again, of course, one can almost understand how that would basically add to the problem here. But then um, the other thing that Siabulela has raised, and I see uh, someone else also is raising it here, Seluleko Lutuli says, you know, this issue of uh, teacher morale is also a massive, massive factor uh, because the children uh, children are uninspired and therefore sometimes it is the teachers who cause children to drop out of the system. Uh, Elijah? Yes, uh, I I agree. Uh, That's why, you know, in the past year and uh, the year that's still coming, we're focusing on teacher development uh, and we're working with teacher unions to ensure that uh, we we focus on on the welfare of teachers. Uh, as you know, the president is also setting up a commission to uh, look into the the conditions of service for teachers. And uh, you know, also the the unions have established their own uh, teacher training institutes where they try to revive the morale that seems to have gone down because there's an acknowledgement that there's a problem there, but. One of the things that the callers were talking about is, is the basic things, that we all need to get back to the basics. A teacher must be in class every day in front of learners, teaching for the required amount uh, of hours in a day, and making sure that they have time to assist the learners uh, with, 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 their, with their work in those areas that learners are taking in. And that's, that's one of the other challenges, uh, teacher absenteeism. And, uh, you know, when a learner feels that they are not able to get the assistance that they need uh, and that seems to continue for some time, it becomes a problem, especially those that are struggling. So that's why the minister, even the president, they keep on saying this, that the teacher must be in class on time teaching every day. And in every classroom, there must be a teacher. It is those basic things that we need to, to, to do. But the thing with improving uh, education standards or even improving the, I mean, keeping the learners in the classroom, it's not just one thing. I mean, you need to do a whole host of things. That's why we now have scholar transport, you have the school nutrition program, which also contributes to bringing learners to class. You need to also have good classrooms that are well-built with the necessary facilities. You need to do all of those things. So it is not just one thing that you need to do. Of course, at the center of all of that is curriculum implementation, 
with the teachers that know what they are doing, doing that work. But we are focusing on, on districts now because districts are, are the centers of, of management that support schools. And we need to make sure that they are efficient as well in their work so that we are able to pick up any challenges that we need to deal with and ensure that districts deal with these things because that's, that's where uh, the real work takes place. And, and we feel that if we can also improve uh, the management of districts, uh, we will then be able to make uh, some good progress in ensuring that learners remain in school. All right. And um, uh, uh, Professor Metcalf, I'm going to ask you to just, you know, make some notes because I want to run through some SMSs, some tweets and go back to the lines as well. Um, Mike from Mokopane says we need to get rid of Satu and teachers will be more serious about their work and that will help to decrease the dropout rate. Lady, lazy teachers make school uninteresting. Another Mike says, uh, please ask why has Professor Metcalf, one of the country's top educationalists, not been recruited by the Department of Education. Another one here says, people like Mary have been talking about our education problems on SAFM for years and years, but nothing ever improves. Malcolm Masilela says, why bother with matric when you can just lie about your qualification and receive government protection? And then an SMS from Patrick in Cape Town who says, why are we not questioning the system of grading with tests, which forces students to concentrate on cramming for exams instead of exploring and really learning. Ava, who's an ex-teacher, also writes to us. Ava says, uh, one, parental backup. Two, pupils are stuffed with facts but not educated. That is, the system is to blame. Uh, OBE was excellent but not understood and therefore badly used. And number three, engage their interest in knowledge. And then uh, there's one here for Mary, uh, someone who says, I left engineering uh, to follow my calling in assisting rural and township learners in math, science, accounting, computer literacy and career guidance. Please give uh, Professor Metcalf my number. So I'll pass that on to her. Um, uh, you know, quite a bit to chew on there. But let's just add uh, voices from our callers and then we'll respond to them. Fran in Joburg, good morning. Yes, hi. Um, I have been wondering whether anyone has explored the role of poverty in a decision not to continue with schooling. There's a very interesting study that has been done in America on poverty and decision-making. And it's called Scarcity by Two University Professors, one at Harvard, one at Princeton. And they found, for example, a farmer will make a completely different decision about the same thing when he's before the harvest, before he has the money, to when he has the money after a harvest. And I think this is perhaps something we need to explore here as well. All right. Thank you so much for that input, Fran. David in Bloemfontein. Hi, Sakina. How are you? Well, thanks. And you? Um, I'm concerned. Tell us. Um, I'm a, I'm a B.Ed. student, a final year student at CUT in Bloemfontein. Um, I think one of the reasons why our learners are dropping out of school, more especially between grade 10 and 12, is because, number one, our teachers... Uh, a learner would, would write, for example, maybe Anna, and then the teacher would go mark and then bring back the feedback, right? And then upon uh, arriving in the classroom with that feedback, learners who failed, um, instead of the teacher uh, constructively criticizing them, 
the teacher will, will drag them down to say, you're, you know what, you guys are stupid, what, 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 what. And planners would, 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 would start um, dropping out of school because of uh, teachers. And then number two, I think that the society that these uh, learners are coming from, the words that the elders, you know, in, the, uh, in their discussions uh, says are also important. Uh, because um, if someone who did metric doesn't encourage young people to do the same because uh, maybe the, the person doesn't see the importance of having uh, grade 12. I mean, those, those young kids will take that because now it is said by someone they look up to. So uh, the society that this learner lives in must also be positive in uh, encouraging these learners to, to go to school. Okay, thank you so much for that, uh, David. Emmanuel in Pulukwane. Uh, good morning, Sakina. Morning, Emmanuel. Yeah, um, I don't have much to say. Um, but what I just see there is um, the, the, the um, government, they have a little things to solve there. In the area of this discipline, um, um, you can see there is a, a secondary school very close to my house. Early in the morning, all those students, they will be standing outside the gate smoking. And and I think the government give the students the total freedom. While the students, they are having the total freedom and the teachers, they are having the, a, a little bit freedom. Mm. over the students. Okay. I think if a government can try maybe to, to, to imply on those students while the teachers, even their parents, can have um, a much independence on them, like um, in the area of uh, beating, if they need to be beaten, mm. I think they will, they, they, they will have that um, the, the, the passion wow. for, 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 for learning. That is outlawed in South Africa. We don't beat uh, the kids at schools anymore. But, uh, Emmanuel, thank you so much for your call. Lack of discipline, Emmanuel says, could be a part of the problem. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Thank you so much for staying with us here on the Forum at 8. This morning we are asking, how do we keep our learners in school? And um, just before I defer to the panel again, let me just read uh, the last few messages that we can take here. This one says, the systems are failing us. My brother failed grade 10 three times because of maths, and uh, they were saying it is compulsory. Um, He is now doing nothing. And then another one says the president should declare our education system a disaster. Drastic special measures are called for. Uh, This one says uh, what's worse now is that there's no program for those dropouts. FETs have also raised their admission requirements. And obviously there's that little factor of cost as well. And then Hazel in Eitanacher. Hazel says, how can we keep learners in school when the very teachers are either absent or they are late, uh, busy with their private businesses? They are in the taxi construction and catering businesses and they are 
these things are carried out during school hours. Ntate Nakasi Intwane says, uh, no, no, our constitution is to blame for these freedoms. Uh, children just look and find out uh, what achievements the former Puputatswana uh, under Chief Lucas Mangope made to education in his time. So uh, we, he's saying the constitution is to blame for what we are seeing right now. Uh, Pauline D in um, uh, Port, Port Shepston says, we need to focus on the first few years of school teachers and pupils need to build strong foundations and um, what is the dropout rate due to single parent family units this is a major problem in South Africa and I have noticed more failures in this situation that's from someone in KZN Jack says give teachers free houses and interest-free loans Uh, teachers are heavily indebted and therefore they can't focus on these kids and um, just some of the tweets that I want to read as well Um, Vuyani Vilagazi says uh, there was a survey on children aged between 12 and 16 and pregnancy in partnership with uh, the teddy bear clinic uh, child care clinic uh, the, they mapped this out and the stats there were shocking and what sort of impact is this having on what we are discussing right now and Zikane says our learners are being forced to choose these complicated subjects and they get frustrated and therefore drop out of the system. Uh, Pupcat's uh, contribution is that these children are always told that they will never amount to anything, just like their brothers or sisters that dropped out as well. And Edward Temba says, most school dropouts from, uh, are from rural areas. They quit school and they start looking for jobs in order to support their families. And then, of course, Nati Walls also raises the issue of teenage pregnancy, alcohol and drugs. Togozani Mkize says, parents want to parade their kids um, as if they are these smart beings, whilst they are not willing to take part in their kids' education. And uh, Zake says, ask the officials uh, what is the dropout rate in private schools and is there any forecast aligned with that plan? So uh, those are some of the contributions. Nice. So let's uh, chew on it a bit. Uh, Prof, let me start with you. Okay, thank you very much, Sakina. I think I firstly want to say that what Elijah is describing to us as department plans, I think everybody will support. It's absolutely correct. We need a teacher in every class. We need strong support for teachers in terms of teacher development. We need to achieve curriculum coverage. We We need to make sure that every child has a textbook on every subject. Many of these things, we're not there yet, but we support them as goals, and it's critical that at provincial level there's concrete plans to, to, to achieve these. The second thing I want to talk about is the, is the question of poverty very quickly. One of the callers said, is the choice to leave school a choice associated with poverty? It may very well be, but the more well-documented um, feature of education is that poor performance in school is correlated with poverty, not with talent, but with poverty. And we are betraying learners from the poor and working class who consistently perform very poorly, not because of ability, but because of the ways in which poverty conspires to under, undermine their ability to um, benefit from education. The next point I want to make is that um, several people's, people spoke about um, the fact that we don't just want testing for cramming. We want to actually... We want an education that leads to creative, innovative thinking, Mm. which is part of the skill that we need in this new economy. I could say more about that, but what I want to come to are two very important points, and if there's time, a third. I disagree entirely 
with the callers who call in and say that the teachers are the problem. At the moment, I'm working across the country in about one and a half thousand schools, and I work closely with the teacher unions, all of the teacher unions, and I am constantly inspired by the commitment and the quality of our teachers. Where teachers do what some learners have described, I mean, some callers have described, like running businesses on the side or not coming to school or not teaching, they must be dealt with. And I think the unions should agree that teachers who are not um, doing what their commitment requires of them should be dealt with. They can be represented by the union, but their behavior can't be defended. But let's start being much more positive about the amazing contribution that the vast majority of our teachers make, which then leads me to something that somebody said much earlier on about many teachers, principals, unions don't know the figures. I don't think I expect any unionist or teacher or principal to know the national figures, but I do expect communities and school leaders to know the figures for their school. I expect that they should be taking responsibility for attendance, for late coming, for the children who are in the corners, smoking, as um, Emmanuel described. Mm. You can't say this is the minister's responsibility. You can't say it's the MEC's responsibility. It is the responsibility of the leadership within the school to work much more closely with the community on some of these fundamental building blocks that communities need to join hands to support the work of teachers. Now, just quickly, several people said, what am I doing? And I am um, having a, a, a fantastic um, opportunity. Um, the DBE has joined hands together with business and with the unions to establish the National Education Collaboration Trust. And at the moment, there's six districts um, across the country where business and government are supporting um, a district-wide intervention program to support learning outcomes. Um, there's a group of us led by um, Murphy Marobi, which are working in Utungolo and Pine Town, supporting the education district of the education department in KZN to significantly impact on learning outcomes over the next three years. It's fantastic work. I'm learning a lot. I believe we are going to make a difference. And unfortunately, uh, that's all we have time for this morning. And uh, Elijah Mtlanga, don't worry. Uh, I'm not perturbed about uh, not getting you to rap because I know we're going to talk a lot more as we are approaching matric exams. But thanks also to everybody else who contributed. Uh, Graham DeBrain says, um, let's accept that addressing education is complex. We need uh, partnerships. Uh, those will be crucial. And educational ecosystems, that is the approach that is required. And I think that's a good note to leave. It on. Thanks for your fantastic participation as always to our guest this morning, Professor Mary Metcalf, and also to uh, Elijah Mtlanga, and of course to the production team for making sure it went out loud and clear. Back with you tomorrow. The Forum at 8 on SAFM.